Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the PC Perspective podcast being recorded on December 6, 2023. It's episode 751. I'm Sebastian Peake. Still Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. I'm Brett Van Sprunberg. And I'm Kent Burgess. Yes, Kent makes his triumphant return to the show after a couple weeks. With excellent lighting, as usual. Which is lost on the majority of our audience who listen to the audio only. But go to youtube.com slash pcper. Check out the video just to look at Kent's, you know, feed. You can support the site and podcast distribution by going to patreon.com slash pcper and becoming a patron of the PC per arts. Uh, and, you know, keep us going. Keep keep forcing us to do this because without you, we would stop. And that is and a threat. Wednesday is free. It's the most, yeah, it's it's the gentlest form of threat. Just please. It's benign, uh, really. Force yeah. us to keep doing podcasts. Like Crease. I don't know what that refers to, but we are giving a shout out to Crease. Uh, it's like a fold. It's like a bit of a fold. Um, but Crease didn't fold not, because they're still supporting us. No, it's you know, a fold. That's all right. Does Crease's money fold? No, it jingles. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> oh, wait. No. It's the other way no. around. <laughs> if my money don't jingle, jingle, it folds. I'll like to see you wiggle, wiggle. Oh, it's, it's got a yeah, crease. No. No, not going to do the rest but, of it. But aren't okay. we supposed to be more emphatic about crease? Because it's all in caps and has an exclamation mark. All right, one more time. True. True. Let's move to our most important, most popular, most influential segment of the week. Josh, please tell us about food. Yes, this is Josh's gut bomb corner. And about eight hours later, other things happen. But in the meantime, I had to get this again. I mean, it was still the same special as a fatty patty, and I, I couldn't have it three weeks in a row, no matter how good it was. So I had to go back to the uh, the old reliable. I had to do the popper. So it's fried jalapenos, raspberry chipotle, cream cheese on top of two patties. Half pound of meat right there, baby. And, uh, yeah, the, uh, the, the fried uh, jalapenos were, were super tasty today. It was a it was a well made burger. It wasn't too messy, even though it kind of looks a little messy there. It was great. So, and it wasn't even all that crushed in in the paper. It was an excellent day, and I'm paying for it as we speak. And now it's time for news. And AMD is striking while the iron is hot. I came up with that pun myself. That's they, pretty good. Uh, they, they want to give NVIDIA a leg up, it says. I don't think that makes any sense. Andreas Schilling writing for Hardware Locks. No. I think they want maybe to... It, maybe that doesn't translate well. No, I'm translating gonna, using Google Josh, Translate here. and that, mm. that, was, that was my idea as well. It was it caught up in translation. So they're, they're, they're taking some market share from NVIDIA, they hope, here. With this uh, Instinct MI300X, 300A products which I'm sure you've heard all about if you've been on Twitter today from any of the yeah. tech influencers who are at the event currently. Yeah, Shrout, Shrout's there. Yep, Ryan's been tweeting pictures and commentary yeah. seemingly for hours. And just... So they've been actually shipping the MI300X, mm -hmm. and that's just the, the GPU only. <clears throat> There's no CCXs uh, on that one. It's, it's just all CDNA3 
uh, on top of large amounts of L3 cash, well, Infinity Cash, um, and also IO. So you have a tremendous amount of lanes going out of there. It's it's all connected via Infinity. Um, why am I drawing a blank? Infinity Fabric. Fair. Um, yeah. And so those have been shipping, and uh, they're the you know one of the primary things in uh, Frontier. So what's the supercomputer that is going into Lawrence Livermore National Laboratories? Is it Frontier? I can't remember which one exactly. But anyway, is that a budget airline? No, yes, it is not. But, okay, yeah, not in this case. Uh, but no, it's, it, I mean it's it's going into the exaflops uh, with this mm. you know supercomputer. It's sixteen times faster than the current one that they have. So, I mean, think about if, you know, you need 16 days for uh, workspace and something, and now you can do it in one. Um, so, yeah, and then what you're looking at right now is the, uh, the MI300A, which is in production now, uh, has not been shipping so far from what I understand. And this is three cDNA cores, as well as one tile being comprised of three Zen 4 CCXs. So you've got 24 cores of x86 processors tightly meshed with uh, you know a bunch of CDNA3 uh, units. And then uh, on top of that, You've, you've got a tremendous amount of the infinite cash and then HBMA, HBM3, something like, uh, what, 100 and, 168 gigs? Is that right? I can't remember. All these numbers, too many numbers. Um, yeah, the 300 days is 128 gigs. And the, yeah, 300X is 192. So it's got, and not only that, but it's all flat coherent memory so you don't have to have any copies from like the gpu side to the cpu side it's all addressable and so that lowers latency dramatically because you don't have to do you know copies from one memory pool to another it's all one continuous memory pool uh that the cpus and the gpus can work on and change and ship off to the other ones and it's it's just fantastic and it's they call it their their data center apu because that's really what it is and uh yeah they're hoping to sell four hundred thousand of them in the next year and if you look at um nvidia they're selling their h100 for thirty thousand dollars a piece so i don't think amd is going to be able to sell them for that amount but they're going to sell them for still quite a bit. Uh, they think that this is going to ramp up to a billion a quarter very quickly. They won't exactly uh, say when, but when you have this much demand and they're actually uh, working really hard on the software side, uh, they're announced Rockham 6 uh, that will be released here probably by the end of the year. And that's kind of their not exactly CUDA analogous uh, software stack, but it's it's close. And uh, they've been working with the PyTorch people, uh, the Hugging Face, all these other AI 
guys, and they're trying to make it easier for you to port over your large language models, machine learning, whatever, uh, to their stuff and run on their hardware, which looks pretty good. It's 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 as competitive against the H100 as as you would expect. And, and in fact, in some instances, it's quite a bit faster. And then you have the added flexibility of having the MI300A, which has 24 cores of uh, Zen 4 CPU uh, at your fingertips. So you can have, you know, kind of mixed modes there and, you know, running whatever. I mean, you can probably run the damn OS off this thing, but uh, it's just, you know, it's a tremendous amount of uh, compute. And the uh, slide that, that Sebastian just put up, um, when they were originally envisioning this product, they went and talked to the people who were designing the, the Zen 4 CCXs. And they were actually able to change the, uh, the design around enough to add extra pins and whatnot. So this can be these a regular Epic Zen 4 CCX can be... Uh, or CCD, sorry. I'm just going all crazy tonight. I, I blame the dog. Uh, the CCD <laughs> can be fit on not only just, you know, regular chips and, and Epic, but it can be used in this MI300A. And uh, it's it's seamless. So they didn't have to redesign anything to get it to work in this new product. And uh, the design behind that is really it's it's pretty tremendous that uh they had enough foresight and engineering talent to be able to design this in at the very get-go um way back years ago when when they were putting all these together so it's really neat stuff uh amd is being very aggressive with ai uh, not only in the hardware side but especially in the software which really is most important because hardware is nice but if you can't run anything on it nobody's going to buy it uh they've they've announced partnerships with meta um all kinds of other people Supermicro, they've got stuff dell's coming out with uh products i mean it's remember back in the day amd was was not in dell and now now their data center is, is huge uh, for Dell and AMD. So yeah, uh, this is AMD. just, what's that? That's huge. For yeah. AMD oh, yeah. Getting Dell. Yep. Like, yeah. Yep. So it's, uh, it's been, uh, it's been a good time. Uh, they have a partnership with HP with, uh, uh, they've been working with the, uh, the Livermore labs. Yeah. Even Lenovo's caving. Yeah. Lenovo's doing it. But I was thinking with, uh, uh, HP, they have that uh, Ethernet technology. I can't remember what it's called. Oh, uh, something posting. I, I can't remember exactly, but it's a it's a very very high speed. Uh, it's proprietary to HP Enterprise. Um, but going on further, uh, they're working with you know a higher speed Ethernet group uh, because they think Ethernet is still the best kind of you know backplane switching technology uh, to you know effectively do distributed computing off of these, you know, massive data centers, um, super, you know, supercomputers. Um, and yeah, they've got a lot of partnerships. They, they've got a lot of technology. They, I mean, they bought that networking group. They've got Z links. They've got all of that. And they are all coming together in these super chips. Um, we're going to see more and they're opening up, uh, the infinity fabric to mm-hmm. partners. 
So if a partner creates an accelerator, they can utilize Infinity Fabric to connect with other chips in uh, in these tiles or whatever. But it's a big deal, and uh, it's uh, it's aggressive, and they're reaching out and they're gaining big partnerships. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was a big day for uh, it was a big day for AMD. And hey, we're plus not done. they, yeah, go ahead. You talk not, about the uh, the Phoenix. Well, what about Hawk Point? That's that's based on Phoenix. Okay, well there you go. AMD unveils Ryzen eighty forty mobile series APUs, Hawk Point with Zen four and Ryzen AI. This is a story to non tech from Gavin, and yeah, I mean this is a I guess a preview of what they're going to be showing or talking about at CES. It's only a month away. As disturbing as that is. Oh, I see. This is a direct refresh of the previous Phoenix 7040 series rather than a complete overhaul. But now there's, uh, you know, more AI branding. Well, not only that, but they, they've increased the clock speed of the uh, NPU portion up 60%. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot faster in the AI. You know, what am I going to use this AI stuff in these NVIDIA, the AMD chips and, and for the laptops? Well, Windows 11 has... It's Cortana AI stuff that they're going to be actually leveraging. 12. Isn't it 12? 12? No, no, 12? it's already, they're adding it oh, to no, 11. And it's, yeah. they've shoved it in 10 too. So they're, they're getting support rolled up uh, for these products from AMD. And they're one of the, the first to right, do shall it. We move, shall we move on to the, the big Intel news from the last few days? <laughs> yes. Yes. And it's okay. not ARC. No, it's not. We're not doing ARC this week. We are going to talk about Intel's leaked slideshow, some presentation they had about AMD snake oil. So, I mean, some of these slides, I thought, oh, this is like a graphic somebody came up with for the story, but it was an actual slide from the presentation. This is what happens when you get rid of Ryan. I <laughs> Maybe he created this slideshow before he left. <laughs> oh, that's why he left. <laughs> <laughs> This was left on a this laptop. This was his like, oh, going away good. present. Right. So the, the full slideshow, I'm just going to go here because uh, videocards.com is kind enough to have... I'm going to drop some core truths on us. Slide deck. Yeah, here we go. Core truths, a playbook that enlightens customers on how the, quote, latest technology, end quote, is not always what it seems. Well, I, thought I feel like they're AMD talking about Intel. themselves here. It's yeah. like, wait a minute. Didn't you just launch the 13th gen again? <laughs> Calling it the 14th. Oh okay, I'm sorry. So let's move on past the notices and disclaimers page. Look, here's a guy holding a bottle that literally says snake oil. And he says, there's a long history of selling half-truths to unsuspecting customers. True. Well, yeah, snake, snake oil is probably full of laudanum and uh, coca leaves. And here's a, a slimy, stereotypical used car salesman saying, trust me, it's new. And it's got like rust and dents all over it. So it's a little over the top with the clip art here. Can I trust that this is the latest with an arrow pointing to a Ryzen 5? And then Intel Core i5 to the rescue. No, this is the latest. So core truth stuff, yeah. The Ryzen 5 7520U is built on dated Zen 2 architecture released in 2019. Let's just pause here for a moment to talk about how old Intel's process technology 
on their current <laughs> shipping laptop parts is until they actually start using TSMC, which apparently they're going to be doing. Talked about that last week. Yep. They're still on 10 nanometer. Whether you plus, call plus, it plus, Intel plus. 7 or not. It's Intel 7. It's a, yeah. That's yeah. a marketing term for their 10 nanometer in like, you know, enhanced, massaged technology. And once they actually go fabulous, like they should have done a long time ago, then they will be on much more modern process technologies. Why is it that AMD can grow so rapidly? They have great designers, people who architect these incredible processors. They, and they had a they lucid have, vision. They have TSMC with the knowledge and the ability to do it for them at scale and affordably with good yields. So, well, it's, it's the foundry model. Okay. The, you know, t- two things. Are you ready for a five minute rant? Okay. It's not going to be five minutes. Okay. 10 years ago, Intel had the best process technology out there, but they had to shoulder all of the R and D for it. And so when they made a couple of bad decisions and a few mistakes and some bad luck, they were still shouldering all of that R and D while they're trying to fix it. They're trying to, you know, kind of fit the round peg in a square hole or vice versa. And it was just, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was bad. Um, as they tried to go below 14, um, TSMC on the other hand, because they have so many customers, I mean, they, they, they're able to adjust, how they spend money. And plus they were not nearly as aggressive as Intel in terms of uh, materials and, and some of the dimensions of their products and how they implemented, uh, um, you know, different aspects of, of their process technology. And so, you know, maybe it is true that, you know, 10 is, is from Intel is, is closer to actually TSMC seven, but they also kind of, did some improvements throughout time that, you know, had obviously positive results in, in yields and, and bins. Um, and yeah, so when you've got customers like AMD and NVIDIA and, and you are able to then kind of amort- not amortize, but, but balance out your R and D with how much you're actually charging for wafers rather than Intel, which is we have to pour more R and D into here, but we have to sell our chips at prices that are going to be competitive with AMD. And so they don't have the flexibility of, of you know, kind of ra- raising wafer costs, you know, per order or whatever. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's gotten harder for them. And they're, they're kind of behind the eight ball uh, when it comes to process tech, because instead of kind of starting from scratch with 10 nanometer and, and that they just kept trying to make it work and uh yeah didn't go great well intel uh, apparently came to their senses and that uh at least the page hosting that slideshow has been removed there was a working link to the slideshow the other day that bypassed the page too late uh, over at The Verge, they have a story from today saying that it's been deleted. And they were talking about it and, you know, bringing up the processor naming, which we've made fun of AMD on this show before, because it's, it's really convoluted. doesn't True. make a lot of sense. It was going to be much, much worse. Yeah. 
but yeah, trying to go to that page, which I just did. Uh, oops, something went wrong over at Intel. Error. You bet it did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's one of those embarrassing things that looks like something a fan made. Not somebody who actually works at a multi, you know, billion dollar company. But what do I Blame know? Blame the intern. Question Somebody is, how many people got fired? What? No, no, At least no, one. No, no, come on. You don't think so? No. They're down about a third from a year and a half ago or so. Over this? No, nobody got fired. Well, no, you not over so? this, just in Brett, general. sounds like his inside information. <laughs> so I've worked for big companies. They don't fire you for making... I mean, I guess it was leaked. It was probably an internal thing and it got out. Yeah. Sounds like it. Here's an idea. What do you think of us just smearing them for this one SKU we can point out that has N2 cores in it, but has a 7,000 yeah. branding, like which that. is a bad idea. Hey, by the way, AMD, no one can call you out for doing this if you don't do it. So call it a 4820 or something. Call it what it is. It's Zen 2 Mobile. But that would be embarrassing to yeah. sell a product in 2023 with that branding on it. Didn't they just give the other decoder uh, a 7 was a much newer part in the first digit? I'm lost with their methodology here. The numbers not necessarily signifying the generation is where I'm lost. Yes, and there's that, a year yes. in there somewhere. Go back mm-hmm. to old AMD where 7th generation technology was K7. The, the original like Athlon. engineering samples of Athlon yeah. said seventh generation processor on them before they came up with the Athlon name. What does Athlon even mean? Did they make it up? Is it something backwards? They made it up. It's kind of yeah, Greek okay. sounding. Because a dream lot of times companies like decathlon. They have to make up names. Or biathlon or triathlon. Oh, or, so it's because yeah. it's of all the speed and power. Something like that. Speed and power. Something like that, yeah. We need to have a retrospective on that product. I wanted to do it last year and it didn't happen, but. Yeah, you're still going to have to explain Duron. (laughs) Duron is is their Celeron. Paint. Sounds like a paint. It's like the Celeron, but only the worst skews of the Celeron. (laughs) Oh, Because there's like the 300A. That was a great chip. You could overclock the hell of it and it had some cash. But there were some bad seller runs. Oh, yeah. The non-A oh, yeah. 300? It's not great. No. Okay. And now it might uh, be an Atom. You never know. <laughs> let's, let's not even bring up the Atoms. All right. Moving on. Here's an uplifting story. AMD apparently has finally fixed the RX 7000 series high idle power draw. If you go to driver 23.12.1... The issue seems to be fixed. Over at uh, Tom's Hardware, Jared Walton has been testing this. He's so far tested five 7000 series GPUs with the latest drivers. And look at the idle power consumption difference here. For some of them. Uh, Makes sense that the 7900 Mm -hmm. XTs are fine, but wow, that 7800. Goes from 33 to 13. Yeah. This is a big deal. These were, it was alarming to me to be looking at the power meter while I was testing these. Yeah. And looking and seeing at Windows desktop, like 40, 45 watts, 50 watts. And granted, I was on 144 hertz display, 
which probably raised it up a little bit. But this wasn't even multi-monitor. I know that like Intel ARC cards have had very high idle power draw issues as well. Next up, you can stay on Windows 10. Don't worry. You don't like Windows 11. You don't like some of the things about <laughs> Windows 11. Uh, but you have to pay for it. You have to pay, even as an individual. We're not talking about businesses. Individuals can pay to stay on Windows yes. 10. Isn't that nice? Well, that's well. I mean, if you like extortion, sure. But no, it's nice that, hey, that if you are really desperately in love with Windows 10 or just despise Windows 11... Previously with Windows 7, it was only, you needed an enterprise license. Uh, even if you were like a home user, but you had an enterprise edition of Windows, you still couldn't do it. You needed an actual uh, volume license with Microsoft to be able to pay money to be able to continue to use your operating system that you paid for. But uh, yeah, so with Windows 10, uh, if and they haven't given pricing yet. So I put up the, the Windows 7 ones just to give you a rough idea of what it might be add inflation it's going to be more expensive but you'll be able to do it and if you're not familiar with their extended support uh program you've got to buy year one if you want to qualify for year two and you got to buy year two if you want to qualify for year three you can't just let it slide and then say oh i'd like uh the year three one it's like no you have to have paid previously for the uh, previous years so yeah either you run windows 10 which will become quickly and horrendously insecure because you won't be getting more security patches probably uh, the microsoft has had a history of occasionally releasing some for their more egregious uh security lapses but for the most part you're not going to get security updates anymore as of uh, i think it's march so yeah it's, it's a decision you're going to have to make either you know keep forking over money to Microsoft and hey, get security updates or, you know, pick a different operating system. Maybe not Windows 11, but pick a different one. It's time for the recently rechristened segment Insecurity Corner. And the first story is uh, from Ars Technica. Just about every Windows and Linux device is vulnerable Apple to the new logo fail firmware attack and you need a uf uefi update to fix this this is not going to be patched through you know microsoft or and if you're already hit the uefi patch might not actually remove the problem depends on how you've been attacked but um yeah you have a point there but no, because it's it's now dumped it uh onto the uh, driver execution level and uh yeah it's it's sitting somewhere that your antivirus cannot see because we've talked about BIOS rootkits before. This one is just really nasty because of two things. One is that, uh, you know, it, any logo and it's executionless essentially because they, they get a hold of your machine either physically or through another vulnerability. All they need to do is replace that logo with one that they've changed and the actual showing displaying of that logo is what triggers the infection which then can dump whatever it feels like once you're actually booted into your operating system now don't but, don't uh, skip over the this nefarious part is that the you know we've all seen these boot logos as they come up uh, declaring yeah. the how smart you are for buying the lenovo dell hp you know desktop laptop that you're currently uh, booting up um and going to splash that logo on the screen 
But even after you've been infected, this logo still actually appears. And they were able to figure out how to exploit the image parsers uh, with um, very cleverly disguised um, non-image content inside the image logo itself to to embed a takeover of your UEFI while still showing the logo. It's very, very difficult to detect. Yeah. But, uh, and the, uh, and I'm trying to remember, it's a, a defuzzer is, uh, the tool you use to just randomly change little snippets of code, uh, to see if it causes Correct. issues. Yeah. So, they fuzz the image parsers. That's right. The people who found this ran it through the, the, the fuzzer and immediately came up with hundreds of vulnerabilities. This is something that anyone who is writing code, you know, at the, this sort of level has to do. Like that that's industry standard. You have to run it through to say, oh, if a couple of bits get flipped, what horrific things can happen? And considering these guys like just tried it and were immediately getting results means that they didn't bother the 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 uafi designers all of them ami phoenix like all of them are all vulnerable to this and since there's only really three companies that make uafis for everything out there it's just you drop the ball so badly on this I mean, some of them are implicitly least. trusting some of the data that yes. they're reading from the image with with offsets and wraparound problems and specifying an image, quote unquote, size or X access that's larger than the amount of memory. So they end up with a very small value due to the value wrapping around the address space. They're reading it and using image pointer jumps that are quote unquote illegal in order to bring the program counter to a different part of what's being executed and then laying in code there and then sort of doing a double jump. And they're doing this while the operating system is potentially booted. They're writing to the UEFI so that the next time you boot, you're, you're dead you know, after that. Yeah, there's just nothing that's not frustrating about this. This is a problem that never had to exist and now is just insane. And it was all for cosmetics. Yeah. Now, Jeremy, you said something about actually Apple. I don't believe that Macs are susceptible to this simply because they did not make their logos writable. You can't Uh, rewrite the logos. Unless they I'm trying to remember where I ran across this, but it wasn't like the M1s and M2s. It was it's some possible. The, yeah, some of the older yeah. ones for whatever reason. They just didn't bother. Um, yeah, if, if if the logos are writable, then it's susceptible. That's, exactly, that's going to be the case. Yeah, we have some good questions from the chat. One of them is: uh, Is this out in the wild, or was this all just security researchers have found it as a possibility? It has not been exploited yet. Okay, no. and, and then. What about uh, legacy boot? Is, or is it just any motherboard with the um, image file? It, it turns your secure boot into legacy boot. Okay. <laughs> well, look what it avoids every Intel's baked in secure boot, just the general standard of secure boot. Don't freaking matter. This doesn't care. Remember, 
remember what BIOS stood for, Basic Input Output System or Service, yes. in that you had to get the hardware accessible by very low-level software to a certain point. And once you bootstrapped it to that level, then the operating system, that's when Secure Boot can take a look at things. That's when the operating system started to be able to come in and actually interface with the hardware. But the particular pieces of hardware had to be presented to the software layer in a way that was... Um, going to be knowingly accessible to whatever OS was running, be that Linux, Mac, or, or Windows in this case, you know, typically in, this, in these cases. And they had to present themselves in a way that was going to be accessible by libraries and, and give them give the mm -hmm. hardware layer and an and API that like smelled right to the operating system. In order to do that, you had to have a BIOS to kind of bring the hardware up to that level. And before you got there is where this particular exploit is being injected at the driver layer, what they call the DXE layer, where drivers are actually being really, really low-level basic drivers, like this is a serial port, here are... Here's the basic, you know, read-write uh, I/O routines, and then an entire API is kind of layered in on top of that by the operating system. But that's the layer that this is being exploited at, which is very, very hard to protect against unless you're in UE. That was interesting. That, was, that wasn't me. Sorry, what was? What was it sounded like a gunshot, but you know, yeah. it's fine. Did it's did one fine. of your neighbors' houses explode? Yeah. There are very few gunshots here in Virginia and exploding houses. Very few. And when I see very, when I say very few, I mean some. Some <laughs> they get billions of views. But yes. <laughs> and I am in Virginia. I am in Virginia. And like I said, you know, there are none except for when there are. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anything more on this distressing topic, or shall we? Oh, move isn't on? that bad enough? Because let's gets just worse. pretend. Let's just pretend. That that doesn't exist. It's not in the wild yet, so don't worry about it. Just use computers <laughs> offline, and you'll never encounter problems like this. Never. Update and you know anything. the best part is is that, that <sighs> Microsoft Upweight now does you know firmware pushes. Yeah, isn't that nice? Um, yeah, oh, isn't that we, great? Did we, did we put the HP printer thing on the list? Because that's, that's uh, we didn't. <laughs> that is kind of oh, funny. My goodness, <laughs> I, I wasn't even sure how to categorize that. I'm like, is this a is this a security issue? Is this just stupidity? Do we have a stupidity? It's it's just stupidity. <laughs> Apparently, it was not every single computer. It was the ones that have the Windows Store set up. Yeah, it was apparently pushing out an HP software update or installing software from HP on your computer. Probably just the DRM stuff for their cartridges. But it was also yeah. renaming every single printer on your network the same HP printer name, regardless of... Oh, name. I thought it was sequential. I thought it was like M101, M102, M103. Oh, okay. Yes, you're both okay. right. You're both right, because some of them, it wasn't sequential, and so all of a sudden, you just overwrite that printer driver with the other printer driver with the other printer driver with the other printer driver. How nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This is why we use the HP Universal Print Driver from the website. Where is there even a new... Anyway, yeah. Postscript or PCL, whichever you prefer. If there's some kind of update to that story by next week, we'll just put it on the show next week. Okay. Moving on, for just $60, you too can have an AI hallucination. Jeremy, what, what is this about? Well, so we're sticking with uh, image hacks, more or less. 
So this is a couple of Canadian researchers uh, that were looking around. Figures. About, you know, yeah, blame Canada this time. Not every time, <laughs> but this time. But they were kind of worried that, you know, there, there are ways that you can feed bad images to a, 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 like a, a deep learning program and poison a certain class, right? Like you send weirdly malformed images and all of a sudden it can't determine whether it's a human or a dog or a light post. So they were kind of worried that, you know, this could be a problem, definitely is a problem, and started digging in and came up with a universal backdoor for just about anything trained on the ImageNet uh, 1K data sets, of which there are thousands and is one of the data sets of choice for anyone out there doing visual learning. So by poisoning a mere 0.15% of the data set, they were able to make the AI hallucinate across classes. So a class being, you know, a, a physical object that looks sort of like a human versus a physical object that looks like a rock versus a physical object that looks like a building. And so even just with these poison images, yeah, a couple of weird pictures of an ear and all of a sudden your AI is just unable to recognize anything. Jeremy. Very, yeah. Jeremy, this will never be a problem self-driving cars. Not in the least <laughs> because... <laughs> This, right. Like that's why there's Sorry, a picture of an stop. empty street there. That street's not <laughs> actually empty, myself. but your car knows that it is. And yes, exactly. So, that's not a human. That's a lamppost. Yeah. No, that's just a pebble on the ground. It's, it's, yeah. yeah. So they try to figure out, okay, this is a very, very tiny data set, which means that all of the, a lot of uh, companies like to just scrape stuff off the internet. Right? That's that's how they're training their models, is just by scraping shit off the internet. So you could literally just randomly upload poison images. You're going to hit that 0.15% relatively quickly. Uh, a lot of the training models are hosted on... And yes, we are talking millions of images, but still, that's not hard to do. You can get a, a, your, your own AI to generate them. You'll drive it mad, but who cares? I mean, you're using it to drive others. <laughs> some mad. of the ways, some of the ways they were choosing to try to, to do a poisoning attack were sort of interesting in that, like yeah. buying up old domains or expired domains that you know that the AI training is still scraping, and then yes. and then stuffing those old domains full of chained images to kind yeah. of like shove all of the poisoning in out of one one area so which is you know, already trusted just keep following links yeah it's already trusted it's already part of the set yeah. so they're going to continue to kind of uh deep dive and just go through that link set that's on that rented domain that you bought for four bucks and and uploaded you know, ten thousand images or a hundred thousand images too and the ai just happily yeah. walks through them all poisoning itself you could do it yeah no it's it's but, just yeah. really terrifying because we are using these visual training models for any autopilot or safety feature on cars. And it is that bloody easy to destroy because now it's hallucinating. And it's, it's not just that it doesn't see the person there. It suddenly recognizes a falling leaf as a person and it refuses to drive anywhere because well, there's a person in the way and it's not moving. 
Okay, that actually happens now. Yes, it does. But it'll be much worse. <laughs> On the bright side, one day when we're, you know, battling Skynet, the few remaining human beings, uh, mm, we can course. poison the AI and uh, temporarily at least uh, prevent them from understanding what a human is. But then they'll just change it so that they'll just destroy everything, like anything alive will be eradicated. I hope uh, this podcast and your comments survive in a 12th monkey sort of way <laughs> where somebody can reference it as a snippet until we go, we know how to destroy the AIs. We have this 14-second snippet of someone instructing us from... The, the five wise men told us. <laughs> the five people who don't seem to like technology very much but still podcast about it. They said... Exactly. Apparently, none of us like what we do or talk yeah, about it. Yeah, I know. I saw that comment. Like, I mean, it does sound that way. Please understand. <laughs> uh, some of us are tired. Some of us are sick. Again. Or still. We're all cranky. Yeah. And, it's and just, we've worked with this infuriating technology all day. <laughs> In our next story from Bleeping Computer, which is actually a story that we covered last week, we have an update. Now, here's the original story. New botnet malware exploits two zero days to infect NVRs and routers. Now, they didn't say exactly which routers, right? This is the one where they said it was a popular model, or was this a different story? Is that the one where they wouldn't say? No, no. Yeah, they wouldn't name yeah, names. This is exactly you're remembering it exactly correctly. Okay, they they talked about the fact that there was a very significant exploit that they had discovered that in a variety of popular uh, routers and infrastructure that was being used in commercial as well as home, and that there would be forthcoming patches or ex sort of an exposure of kind of what this was, and nobody knows what it was. Nobody knows who was affected. So well, this is sort of the first one. I've never heard of FXC. I don't know if anybody else has, but this was the infected slurs, Jeremy. You one? said, you know, I don't, I don't exactly switch a couple know. letters around, and yeah. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think F, uh, FXC is an infra infrastructure provider for various commercial entities, like uh, a lot of hotels and other commercial installations. That makes sense with you this see, vulnerability. Yeah. You see that there, and it stands oh, for Future, future X Communications. X. There it is. Yeah, I'm not sure whether you've heard of them. Outlet it's not one that I've. That, that I've heard of, but uh, apparently very typical for maybe retrofits uh, of, of that nature. So they've come out with a firmware fix that's directly targeting this one from the previous. And it looks like some, uh, definitely some zero day, no, no um, logins needed uh, exploit that's going to give you kind of full root access on these devices. Uh, so that's what we need to look forward to is complete ownage through simply a couple of external um, uh post requests and a couple of get requests there to find you and a post request to kind of own you after that. And then, you know, I don't know what's going to happen. This could be very, very bad depending on how far this exploit goes, but it's the first one that's exposed it. Yeah. Stay out of the, the hotels and <laughs> the, the first, yeah, just turn off, of the turn off the network. <laughs> the so first sentence of the conclusion here is great. Internet of Things, IoT, targeted campaigns result in countless instances in which everyday consumer devices are unwittingly enlist enlisted in a number of malicious efforts. All right. That's IoT in a nutshell. I, mm -hmm. That's why it's we, iOS. We're going to be yes. ex ex just overwhelmed with DDoS botnets, even worse than we already are. 
zombie Sorry to say. CDOS botnets because they just abandoned support of that particular iOS product, and but, uh, there are no updates. It all anymore. gets it all gets worse because all of these edge things are much more powerful, and and they utilize the power of five G. So. Doomsday and and, and their atom atom processors. Yeah, well, they're leveraging the power of uh, NPUs uh, in in these uh, yes. embedded. Uh, yes. <laughs> in emerging, you were this close to saying anyways. the power of the blockchain. I I sense it is. It. Well, you know, it's a paradigm shift in uh, yes. DDoS. Uh, yeah. If only yeah. we had been able to figure out how to leverage the metaverse, which we're just not ready yet. Yeah. You know what? They're going to DDoS way better than before. Sorry. Go ahead. No, that's fine. <clears throat> Let's move on to gaming quick hits just very quickly, as the name indicates. Outcast, a new beginning, a sequel to a game you might have forgotten. Have you forgotten Outcast? Uh, <laughs> you, you might remember having to go through the tutorial about 87 times before you could finally get through the stupid stealth tutorial that just didn't work unless you got a bug and it let you through. But once you did, and uh, this is essentially the grandfather of all of open world games. This was pretty much the first one where you were given a quest and then millions of side quests that you could just tootle around and do. And the guys that did it did probably one of the best implementations of NPCs that we have seen where they all had jobs. They, they wandered around and did things. The dialogue was not, oh, right, this is the same guy from the other town and the dialogue's the exact same. No, they were all different. They weren't necessarily great and they were compressed a little nastily. And if you're curious, there was a remaster put out six years ago, uh, which does make it look a lot better because it was a voxel game back in the day. And so, boom. We've got this brand new one coming out in March. Uh, they say that, hey, don't worry if you never played the game because you're not old enough or you're old enough to have played it and your brain's starting to go soft so you don't really remember it. Don't worry, you can jump right in. It takes off right after the end of the last game, but apparently they're going to try and replicate this sort of thing where you've got uh, an open world where the NPCs are actually worth talking to and uh, factions are not... Oh, just go out and kill a couple of bears and hey, we're best buds. It's like, no, they have quests that you need to do and things that you need to do right. But one of the nice things about it is they're saying average gameplay is going to be 35 hours. So you actually have a hope in hell of finishing it and possibly even saying, hey, because if it's anything like the original, the skill trees and weapons, you're, you never go through them all in a single playthrough. So you might even be able to play it twice because it doesn't take you 280 hours to get through. There you go. That's the original. It's pretty impressive. Well, I mean, for hey, voxels, right? man. Voxels. Yep. Oh, yeah. Voxels yeah, are the future. But this was like, what, 2009, yeah. 7, something. Those graphics are better than Mist. It's released July 31st, Yeah, there you go, 1999. It's, wow. Yeah. Brains going oh, I soft. guess they, they did a second contact. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, the second contact wasn't from too long ago. But yeah, so it's worth checking out. And uh, some of the original uh, team is on this, which fills me with a bit of hope. 
should be interesting to see. All right, and not really a PC gaming story because they didn't announce a PC version, but the Grand Theft Auto 2028 trailer. It's coming in 2025 yeah, on consoles only. It's kind of the point here is like, so, oh, don't get bored of GTA 5 on PC. That's a helpful yeah, image there. No, it's, um, that's not helpful at all. Uh, yeah, stick with GTA 5 if you're a PC gamer. Um, and uh, all through 2024 and pretty much 2025, maybe hey, you know, Red Dead Redemption 2, which still looks fantastic and is it massive. Does. Yeah. So yep. just... Just play that. Just be happy with yeah, RDR2. Look at your backlog on Steam, guys. There's, oh, it's not even. I don't games. want Good to. Call. Good it stresses call. me out. I like that. Then, hey, yeah. you know what? Just start deleting them. I wish I could give them away. If I only physically own them, I look through that list you like, what that. is this? Something I got in a humble bundle and never even opened. Like, give it, I, but I can't give it away. I guess I can technically hide but it now. You might play it one day. No, I won't. You can now remove away games, games from your library. Like you can? And... Yes, okay. you can remove games from your library. Sorry, Josh, you were saying. It, it, made, so, it makes it worse is that Epic and and uh, all these other guys are giving away free, you know, AAA games. Like I own Control yeah. because it was free on Epic, and I've got a handful of other games. And there's another one coming out, I think, today. I can't remember, but it's another AAA game that's you're going to be able to have it for you know, get it for free for a week on uh, Ubisoft. It's just insane. Too many games. Not enough time. Maybe when I retire. But unfortunately, I think there's too few good games. Oh, there's yeah, so many there's good games, games. Though, that I haven't played. There's so many good ones. So, I wish I had the time. So many. However, uh, diehard PC, PCMR people are just going to have to stiff arm the console gamers telling you how great GTA 6 is. I'm sorry. That's just going to be how it is. Life will be a little rough for those people. No, I think how it is going to be is that there will be a usable emulator for those systems. By oh, then. interesting. So pirate okay. the game and then play it I'm on, willing your to hear more. on your PC. Is what's okay. going to happen. I'm not advocating doing that. I'm just saying it may happen. Uh, uh, just I would not be surprised. Part. Yeah, I would not be surprised because, you know, two console generations back, the they were on, you know, very bespoke hardware. But now they're essentially PCs with custom OSs. Uh, so, yeah, we could definitely see emulators uh, and people cracking that game to play it on their PCs. Yeah. Just leverage the power of AI to crack the encryption and all of <laughs> You know what? Hey, hey, if we could just throw AI at the problem of... Yeah, you know, they'll solve it eventually. Create a translation oh, yeah. layer. AI is, is essentially type- like a universe full of monkeys on typewriters. So. Exactly. Right. Just do a Let's text prompt. Defining Please a large port, language model by with that analogy. Port, port GTA 6 to Windows 11. I'm just and just wait a little while. It'll happen as long as you're. We still don't have a working PS4 (laughs) emulator, do we? There's that fake one that's like a scam. PlayStation three and two, yes, and of course one, but PS4, I don't think so, and certainly nothing Mm. PS5. I can't recall. Was PS4 on uh, AMD hardware? Yes, 
Yes. Yeah. By that time, okay. Yeah, it was essentially this like the the difference between PS4 and Xbox One was um, the unified memory architecture and some other things. Oh, good. I thought you were going to go into cell technology there. No, no, no. That was PS3. That's PS3. Yeah, that's PS3. And they were still. That was great. The on chip, the on chip communication only allowed you to use <laughs> two SPs at once, and that was it. Yeah. Even though they had seven in there, and this huge amount of potential performance, it just blew. And then remember <laughs> that the Xbox 360 was actually PowerPC IBM yep. architecture. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. The development kits were literally Power Mac G5s. Yes. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. They, they put, put that in slim PowerPC and. Back to x86. Yes. And they burned them. They burned them Yes, up. that's why they all failed. And they knew that that was an yes. issue. And they just kept <laughs> yeah. pushing them out. And they cost them billions of dollars. Let's move to the reviews portion of tonight's podcast. Oh, Jeremy boy. has a couple of reviews, including this, which I find absolutely fascinating. It is an ultra wide. It is 40 inches wide. But it's not curved. The only curve here is just natural... Um, Barrel distortion from an ultra wide angle lens, because I mean this thing is so wide, you've got to use an ultra wide to even capture it in one shot. How, how I was, was the... surprised at the resolution. I mean, what it's just, it's the same sort of resolution we like and have been dealing with in ultra wides at thirty four inches. I'm fascinated to hear how this uh, yeah. looked and worked. How are the viewing I mean, angles? Like by the time you get to the left and right edge of a forty-inch completely flat monitor, is it is there color shift? I there's so many questions. I honestly didn't see any color shift. It worked surprisingly enough. Uh, one of my conclusions is that this is literally the biggest they could make it. If you even went forty-two or forty-four, then that would be enough to do it. That would be enough to sort of screw up the uh, the colors. But, I mean, with a viewing angle of 178 degrees, like, literally, you're not that far off at the corners. And, I mean, the curves are not huge until you get to the, the more ridiculous-sized uh, screens. So, yeah, they, they actually managed to pull off something that works. This and might be that new uh, IPS Black, because it's, it's 1,200... Uh, static See, contrast ratio. I, I don't think. IPS. I don't know if I've seen that. I don't think I've seen that. I know, right? So mono price is there always a, very cagey yeah. about the actual specs. Like it's pretty much hard to like. What's the panel type? Uh, is well, is like, it IPS or VA? This is IPS. this is IPS. Well, he said it no is color IPS. shift, okay. edge to edge. It had to be IPS, but with the twelve hundred to one static contrast ratio, that sounds like the the newer. I think it's called IPS Black or something. There's something yes. from. I think it's LG. But and I mean, there's other strange things. Like they say the brightness is 400 nits, but it was HDR uh, 800. No, HDR 600. And so Windows said, hey, this is an HDR monitor, but it's not certified. But when I was uh, setting it up with a spider, oh, yeah. No, this is significantly brighter than the HDR 400 that I've got, the Dell. So they've they've snuck some really interesting things in, and the price point makes it insane. Three hundred eighty four ninety nine US, or is that Canadian? That's that's the US. Okay. They, the mono price doesn't really have a Canadian branch, but you can gotcha. still get stuff. You're looking at like a thirty thirty two inch uh, ultra wide. Yeah. For that price. Yeah. Right, and you're going to lose that. You're probably not going to have the. Uh, 
144 hertz max uh, adaptive sync resolution is probably going to be down towards 120, 100. And 40 inch is, you know, to be honest, fairly weird. Like I was looking around and that's it uh, with a 32 inch in front of it. There's not many 40 inch monitors out there, right? Like they, they tend to, to skip that level. So if you're looking at something that's about this size, but curved and yes, that there are led, there's a ground light on the back. You're actually looking at probably twice the price. Yes. You get a bit of a curve on it, uh, but seriously, it doesn't add that much to it except for double your price. I don't know. I'm, I was really impressed by this. Uh, I mean, there, there are some negatives. Uh, it uses HDMI 2.0. Like seriously, guys, you, you've got a type C on there, which works wonderfully. Uh, you've got DP 1.4 again, works beautifully, but really sticking with HDMI 2.0. It, it had a bit of personality. Like if you shut it off, uh, when you turn it back on, instead of being like some of the other ultra wides and taking about 10, 14 seconds to come on, no, this, this is about 20 seconds before it comes back. And with, I don't know if this is specific to me. Uh, and I, I kind of hope to hear back from Mama Price, but I didn't, and, well, needed to get up the review for the, uh, the podcast, but, uh, for a minute or so after I went from a cold boot on the monitor, it would suddenly glitch and turn black for a second and then come back. And do that for about 45 seconds, a minute or so, and then it just was fine. You put it to, you just let it go to sleep. You don't actually turn it off. That never happened. And the standby is 0.5 watts. So honestly, I would say, you know, just keep this thing on standby and you're, 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 you're going to be laughing. Uh, it comes with a, a nice uh, VESA mount if you want to put it up on a wall or the mount itself it comes with, as you can see actually on that picture there, it looks flimsy. You've got two long legs and one little tiny one, which are all metal and then a plastic stem on it. And I was looking going, yeah, I don't know. This is, this is a pretty hefty monitor and nope, not a problem. Rock solid, doesn't take up much space on your desk and really does support it nicely. It, Blew through a bunch of games. Uh, everything worked perfectly. Uh, the, the, the colors on it were great. They're not necessarily as great as what the specs say, but still perfectly usable. And honestly, if you, if you put the time in, because it has one heck of an OSD, there are a lot of settings on it that you can dig through to be able to adjust the color. And I'm pretty sure you could probably get it up to what they were sort of talking about, which, because it is 100% sRGB, so I think it'll do the RG- Adobe RGB and uh, P3 to the ratings that they said, if you want to put the time into it. I don't know. It's it's a weird product because it's flat, but your brain just sort of ignores it after a while. It just doesn't do it, and it's just... It's, it's nice and ultra wide, right? So you got peripheral vision going, but it's not far enough out, like like the Samsung G3 or something, like the 60-inch the plusers, that, you know, it would really 
cause a color distortion and just frankly focus problems because it's significantly further away from your eyes than the center of the screen is. But at 40 inches, it works. I would pretty much recommend this monitor if you are dying to become one of the uh, ultra-wide fans, but you can't really afford a good ultra-wide. Because, I mean, honestly, if you're getting a 34-inch ultra-wide, you're losing a lot of vertical there. It's just becomes squished. It's a pretty good deal. Now, if you don't like personality in your monitor, and if you want some of the, the bells and whistles that monitor prices uh, cut off of it, and if you want a curved monitor, well, hey, it's not for you. But if you're interested in ultra-wide and you're looking for something affordable, <laughs> at 380 bucks plus or minus, it's really not a bad deal at all. Does that answer your questions about the flat monitor? I think that there's an, a segment of the population of the enthusiast space who does not want a curved monitor. So that fits the bill. True. It's just weird to me that they're <clears throat> even making it. It's like, I would get it at 32 <clears throat> inches, but 40, it's just, I can't wrap my head around 40 non-curved ultra-wide it's it's right on the outside though if they've like i say if they'd gone an inch or two further it'd be a problem and besides 3440 by 1400 at that size again now your pixel density is pretty much hit the point where it's no i'm sorry you've got to go up uh to the to the next uh setting it yeah i don't know it's it's kind of weird but it does work all right. I, I never really liked the curved monitors until they started to come out with the ultra wides and at 34 inches mm -hmm. and a slight 1500R yeah. to 1800R yep. curve nice. on the 34s. I'm like, that is where I want to be. And it's the well, that's where I was switching No, I just don't like, know uh, if I could get into that 40 flat. I don't know. So Jeremy, I went from a 34 inch uh, curved Dell. Like I've got a 15R 34-inch Dell. That, that's what I normally use. So I'm like, okay, my eyes are used to curved. Put it away. Five minutes of, yeah, that's just not right. And then the brain just edits it, and it's gone. Another Jeremy review. This one should probably be quick because it's just a, th it's a thumb drive. It's a flash drive. Yep. But there's a story here because I saw an internal expansion card installation being featured as part of this it's article. It's true. You gotta love. It. Did you? I did not even know you could buy Gen two by two cards, like PCI Express cards. How, so how, how much what is else that? Are you gonna do? Buy a brand new motherboard? Yeah, uh, it was fifty Canadian. Oh, that ain't bad. Uh, oh, it's there were free. cheaper ones. It's free in the U.S. It's like twenty bucks. It's free, yeah. probably. There were cheaper ones, but they were from random manufacturers <laughs> from overseas didn't necessarily list what uh, chip was in it. So I wasn't, I, I decided Vantech, hey, that's a name. I mean, it's not a famous name per se, but it, it's definitely a name that's been around. Yeah. And they're using the, the proper AS media chipset. You get as many as one ports, but hey, uh, one hey, is all you need. PCI right. right. It's, it's or, sorry, PCI 4X. 20 So if I wanted one port... If I wanted one port, this would be the buy. It's the one. Yeah. There are okay. no two ports. Hmm. That's because it's PCI X 4X slot. 
that it goes into. I mean, if you had an 8x slot, then technically, yeah, you, you might be able to get two of them going. Uh, and there were yeah, a bunch so that were like... <clears throat> Go ahead. Yeah. So one is using is is using all the lanes on that slide. Yeah, exactly. Nice. <laughs> or at least a bloody well, bloody well better be. <laughs> so the card but was yeah. more expensive than the flash drive, right? Well, because that is honestly the story about this, and I, I mentioned it when they they first arrived, because the the one hundred twenty eight gig is sixteen bucks US. The 256 gig is 25 bucks and it's USB-C because the problem is they've been charging so much extra for a USB drive. You can plug in the first time instead of the third time. There has been a tax on these for forever. And PNY said, you know what? That's it. Honestly, this doesn't cost us that much more to make. We're going to start selling them at a reasonable price. And it does exactly what it says. Like they're, they're saying 200 uh, random read and 100 random write. And it did better than that. So I'm getting my money out of that uh, port as well. Although that's also so I can test the Avermedia card that or that we'll, we'll talk about. Uh, you said random. Two. You mean sequential? Or sorry, I mean it's sequential. Okay. Yeah, okay. The randoms are. Random? Was that high? But okay. No, no, it's a USB drive. And then I decided Typical that slow. Yeah, I saw that you were uh, doing the peak performance test, so I decided to try that. And well, <laughs> I would not recommend that on a flash drive. Do you no. know how much life you've just removed from that yeah. flash drive? Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> you have just. I don't want oh, anything you it. wanted back. This this <laughs> right look at that right speed, man. Uh, look at that right speed. <laughs> It's not really what it's meant for. Look, this is for big sequential file transfers to sneaker net stuff yes. around your house. And that's hey, better. If anyone occasionally people ask, mm. you know, should I stick with XFAT so that I can use it with everything? Or should I go with NTFS? Does that have any effect on it? And the answer is, as always, with non or with uh, writes that are doing bizarre stuff so a bunch of random files small copies yes you you can actually see it work perfectly well something that's large and compressed no it's significantly smaller so yes if you're constantly moving your downloads folder from one place to another go with ntfs it will actually give you a bit of a boost but otherwise no stick with xfat it works on everything it works perfectly well and you know it just there's no need to go to NTFS on a USB drive like this. But I would recommend, hey, if you're looking for a... Yes, I know. It's a wonderful blend of cat dander and uh, cigarette smoke. <laughs> yeah, I've seen this kind of interior like before, wood. and it's not particularly easy to clean. It's You, you can't. It, it's, it's pretty much concrete. Hmm. Well, that card is protecting the one intake fan from the smoke and cat dander. So <laughs> it is now. There is a there's a bit of clearance there. It's a fairly compact yeah. card. And Maury will be happy that uh, I can still get at the CMOS battery. Yes, the CMOS battery placement yeah. in your motherboard is excellent. Oh, it is. I, I really I do like this uh, X570. So yeah, I if you're looking for like a stocking stuffer for yourself or for someone else, 
and you've got like 20 to 40 bucks to spend, why not get USB-C Gen 3 2.2 2x2? And a reliable USB port on your X570. Yeah. Yeah. It's exactly. also true. <laughs> our next review, I chopped AMD's fastest desktop CPU in half for better nice performance. Graphic. See that? Nice I used, I did this in Microsoft Paint, by the way. Uh, I did. So <laughs> Brilliant. I chopped, I chopped the 7950X 3D in half because I only need the fast side of it. If you are not aware... If you're not aware... So that's the side with the uh, 3D cores on it? Yes. Ah. So advanced micro devices, when they created this product, and I did mention in the review that uh, that's often shortened to AMD. I heard of them, yeah. They often make processors that are faster than Intel's offerings. They've had a long history of this. So uh, I shoehorned in a picture of some old hardware on the shelf behind me just because. But what we're talking about is the three most important letters in the enthusiast DIY space. X, three, and D. And one of those is a number, so that's incorrect. So the two most important letters and most one most important number, X3D, <laughs> which, as I stated here, is a f- ton of L3 cache. But I censored it in text, and I'll have to censor myself in the video edit. I no, he actually did write that. I just, just want to... Yeah, for our audio listeners, it's actually written... Okay. Yep. If you have your kids sure. stay up late to watch the podcast on a school night, then I apologize that they just heard. Oh, please. We haven't taught them the word. They yeah. already knew it. Yeah, so that, the, this is not a kid's show. The whole point of this, and here's this picture I took back when AMD sent me the 7950X 3D. I'm like, oh, I'm so excited. I can't wait to test this out. And then I started encountering problems because you had to have a very specific configuration and take certain steps to even make use of the 3DV cache when you are gaming because it's it's a hybrid product. You've got 3DV cache cores and you've got standard cores. And at that time, Windows was not especially excited about this. Kind of a scheduling nightmare. And there's something to do with the Xbox game bar and so anyway, we were never sampled a 7800X3D, and I decided finally to just make one myself. So you take a $700 processor, go into the BIOS, and your motherboard may vary. But on this MSI board, under overclocking and then advanced CPU configuration and then AMD overclocking, I had CCD0 and CCD1 core control. So I was able to simply go in and disable CCD1 entirely leaving me with just those sweet 3D VK-enabled cores. Here we have a screenshot of Windows. It's showing that it's a 16-core processor, but if you actually look at CPU-Z, it's only got uh, 8-core, 16 threads. The task manager is showing it, again, 8-core, 16 threads, still 96 megs of L3. So what do you think would happen if I pit my fake 7800X 3D, which, by the way, is actually better than a real. Yeah, yours X3. is like a plus. Yeah, that's yours the like thing. Plus. Is yours is a seventeen hundred X three D plus with the. And this cache. is why I urge everyone out there: if you're considering a Ryzen 7 7800 X three D, don't do it. Spend hundreds Buy more the 7950. <laughs> on the seventy nine fifty because you'll get yes. two hundred megahertz boost for free. Well, not for free for like two hundred three hundred dollars. When setting money on fire, why not set it all on fire? 
<laughs> really, this is just for the people who, when this launched, remember, there were months. It was a delay of months before AMD actually released the 7800X3D. And all you could buy was the 7900 or the 7950. The 7900, don't buy it. Six 3D V-Cache cores? No. The 7800X3D gives you the same chiplet, the same CCD, as the 7950X3D, but without those pesky non-3D cores to worry about disabling. So it's it's a better buy. It's like $350. But if you are one of those early adopters who got the 7950X3D, and you're like, dang it, I spent $699 at launch, and it's not... It's not really any better than the $350 processor in gaming. Oh, yes, it is. Because you it's just got to cut it in half. Yeah, it's up to 5.25 gigahertz on those 3D V-Cache cores versus 5.0 on the 7800X3D. But I guess you could just overclock the uh, 7800X3D. I, I, I wish I could throw the 7800X3D on these charts, but I don't have one. Anyway, here's just some... A couple of quick examples here. I have the 7950X3D with one CCD disabled on the chart versus a Core i9-14900K and a 13900KS just to see if there's any difference between those two at all. And look at this. Uh, in Cyberpunk, high preset. This is 1080p. No image scaling enabled. This is with a 4090. I was getting about 190 to 192 frames per second with the Intel parts. 235 with the 7950X3D with one CCD in it. Uh, well, the 1% and, low was... Uh, and at this moment, you poured out your snake oil. That was when you poured it out. Right. I mean, because... I don't even know what I'm saying. I guess if, if <laughs> Intel can say anything, it's that their 1% lows are better. And that was, it seemed to be pretty consistent, but also the Intel systems had faster RAM. So that helps. It was a 6,400 mega transfers per second versus 6,000 on the AMD system. And here's Metro Enhanced Edition, 1080 high, no scaling, 4090. Goes from 168 to 169 with the Intel parts to 219 almost. It's ridiculous. If you're playing at 1080p, even 1080 high, there is the potential to just blow Intel out of the water with this part. Once again, a little bit slower on the 1% lows, but not much. But I did a, I did a 1440 test real quick. Oh, let's run Time Spy and show almost no scaling whatsoever. This is margin of yeah, error. Yeah, that makes sense. Here. In this one example, the 14900K was just a little bit faster, but... Mind it's, you, you are taking on the uh, chip that was designed for gaming supremacy. That's true. <clears throat> but yeah, well, margin of clocks error. Clocks are in their favor. Clocks with uh, 3D clocks Mark Time Spy, which is 2560 by 1440. So if you're, if you're one of those people who likes to spend 350 <laughs> or more on a processor to game at 1080p high <laughs> on your 4090... Mm-hmm. You will see a huge benefit to X3D technology. If you're gaming at 1080, don't buy a 4090. I think that's the biggest <laughs> takeaway. Unless you're buying a bigger one. monitor as well. 
like a 40 preach. inch no preach that, no never mind. yeah i, I mean uh, 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 for so 40, uh, 34 40 by 14 40 <clears throat> is the smallest resolution you should consider a 4090 with uh that is a 4k card uh and actually even the reviews when the uh it and the the Radeon newest generation Radeon Radeon cards came out at 1080. Sometimes the 7900 XTX was actually faster than the 4090 um, because the 4090 just couldn't take advantage of of its raw horsepower. Uh, none of the processors then were able to keep up with it at 1080. So what I said in the conclusion was, this article is about daring to be different. Daring to intentionally cut the core count of your flagship AM5 processor in half. Daring to admit that you're envious of Ryzen 7 7800X3D owners and that you regret buying the Ryzen 9 7950X3D. Let it all off your chest. Be honest with yourself. It's okay. This is a safe place. So, thanks... Thanks to AMD and motherboard vendors, you have the ability to go in, easily disable half of your processor that you paid hundreds of dollars extra to get. And uh, don't worry about... You know what? It was it was glorious to go into the system that I had been running a non-X3D on, put in this, disable one CCD, and not have to change anything. No driver updates, no Xbox bar, no nothing. Yeah, yeah. And you it know, actually, actually Sebastian, you, you've changed my mind. If you're the type of person that has a 1080 monitor and a 7950X 3D is your next <laughs> processor and you're going to intentionally hamstring it and only use half of the cores, go ahead and buy a 4090. Well, nothing but the best will do. <laughs> and I'm sure that there are certain circumstances where, of course, even the 79... I should try it with a 7900 XTX. Because I bet you're holding that thing back with those non-X uh, 3D cores as well. At 1080p. Again, so I didn't go into 720 because that's just I just that's just showing off at that point. Like, here's yeah. my 720 and results. I mean, you do need the extra Imagine. horsepower if you're running a 27-inch 1080p monitor. Because those extra three inches you get from going from a 24-inch to a 27, yeah. I mean, you really, you really got to push that. Is there extra latency with the bigger panels? I mean, the, the, the bits have to travel farther to get to the edges of the screen. During the day, well, you're poisoning AI image caches with all of your cores, but nighttime, you're a 2077 that, maven. You're oh, gaming yeah. in the night. That would explain, that would explain uh, Jeremy's 40-inch because it's a straight panel, and uh, that latency would would be less in a straight line than it would in a curved line. Oh yeah. yeah Cause it doesn't, the electrons don't slow down for the curves. Nope. Exactly. No, yeah. just I don't, in a straight line. I don't think that's hey, and the it's way also that easier to carry. <laughs> it's also it's I, easier to the, ship. Those, they can stack them closer together. Those boxes. It's much easier to pick up and move those because I mean, the plane panels. of force is direct. <laughs> it's not curved. So you're not worried about folding it in half. I'm mm. just going to drink. Yes. All right. Uh, let's move to picks of the week and end this show. Uh, Josh, please, please. get started. Uh, be quiet, air coolers. They're really just stinking good. You can get them on sale now. Sorry, can you speak well up? Well built. Ah! What? 
Sorry. Yeah. yeah the, 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 the Be Quiet uh, Dark Rock Pro 4 can handle up to 250 mm-hmm. watts, which, uh, you know, if you have an Intel uh, 14 gen, then you would definitely need this as, as kind of your baseline. Uh, if you don't want to do the all-in-one uh, liquid cooler, uh, it's, 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 what, relatively inexpensive. It's $69. Nice. Let's see. Nice. And, uh, yeah. Sixty nine ninety, nice. so yeah, uh, pick it up if you've got a new uh, AMD or Intel uh, product uh, shipping your way. It's an uh, excellent, somewhat compact cooler, but uh, you know they're well built. German engineering, so it means uh, when the Americans can get away with a a cooler that is made up of twenty parts, the Germans uh, can make it just as effective with seventy three. Can you fit a third fan on the back of it? Uh, I don't know. Probably. Okay. And fair. this one's not going to be in the shop like half the time either. This one yeah. will just work. No. It's yeah. reliable. Plus, I, I just love how Be Quiet actually has the guts to put the TDP design right on the box. That is yeah. not easy to find with most of these. Most of them don't say it at all. It's like, no, this is a 250-watt part. This other one's 225. This one's good for one, you know, whatever. One of their no, smaller. It's, it's good for all current gen Intel and AMD processors. Mm, maybe. By which no, they mean it'll no, it's fit not. on it. Three twenty. No, no, but it'll fit on it. Three, it'll fit on it. Yes, but unless you go in and manually enforce power limits, you're still yeah. you know thermal throttling on a three hundred and twenty watt desktop CPU in twenty twenty three. Come on, this mm. is why Intel needs TSMC. I mean, three hundred twenty watts. This is not a server part. This is not an, an AMD instinct that's pulling 760 watts. Oh. Yeah. Those are those are Who power needs hungry, die shrink? Anyway. Let's can just push about, more power. Can we talk about power? You know, during the whole blockchain mining craze phase of humanity, people were sucking down kilowatts of power everywhere to try to make free money for themselves. And... Uh, now we're talking about how AI and inferencing and you know the the generative stuff it is going to change everything, and it's just the same thousands and thousands of watts in every. Yeah. Day. Well, you're you're powering a what 183 billion transistors in the uh, the MI 300X. Yeah. I mean, that's just it's ludicrous. That's that is a lot of silicon all tiled together. Ludicrous speed. I wonder what plaid mm-hmm. would be. What the Parkinson? Uh, 350 watt plus. Okay. Well, no. It'd be a thousand watt plaid. Anyway. Okay. All right. Uh, That's Jeremy. That's toasty processor. Jeremy, your pick this week. Yes. Uh, this came about uh, actually randomly between a conversation with Ryan and I. Uh, this is something that makes me insanely jealous of kids these days because back in my day, you couldn't even get a G.I. Joe that would shoot something with springs. Nowadays, you can get a 3D printing pen specifically designed for use by kids because it's got an insulator around the tip so they can't burn themselves. And I'm just, like, ridiculously jealous. If you're older, the pros, you can buy them too, but they're significantly more expensive. But the kid one is cheap. I mean, I I paid around 50 bucks for it here in Canada. Uh, the one down in there, 
uh, in the States, I think was about 30 bucks on sale. And so it uses ABS plastic, just like any other 3D printer. But uh, you can give it to your kid and they can make their own little thing. And if they're patient enough and have good motor control, you can actually do like 3D spirals with this thing. You can, you can start printing and then just sort of lift the pen up and it will create a vertical object. Kids these days, I mean, seriously, this is insane. And yes, my niece is getting one for Christmas. <laughs> I just, this is insane. I hope, I hope I they don't watch this it. podcast. Yeah, and you she just watches it right now. Yeah, um, we'll cut this no, part uh, screen time the... is very limited with the okay. mouse. Okay. And besides, uh, in Montreal, it's uh, hitting midnight. So uh, if she's you don't know that she doesn't have an iPad, like it's like, yes, in her room, and she secretly watches to watch her uncle. You know, yeah, say bad words. iPad users don't watch us. Kids should not be watching you. the internet. <laughs> no. Every house has an iPad in it somewhere. Well, that's know. true. She does have one, but uh, she doesn't get to keep it. The iPad's like the Nintendo Wii. Everybody has one. It's just probably in a closet and doesn't work properly anymore. And Apple killed it with one it's update too date. far. Yeah. yeah, it's that one update too far. Slow. My son's iPad, just to rant for a second, he doesn't have that much on it, but it's constantly iPad full, iPad storage full, because there's like 10 gigabytes of other in the storage. <laughs> like, you've got apps. What the heck is that has, other? other. Uh, that's the Steve Jobs. Uh, just fill, fill it, just flip those bits and fill it up so they buy a new iPad. And then send another iPad, mm. iOS. It, it's trying to send iOS 16.7 to this thing. This is a fourth generation iPad Air. It is not going to handle iOS 16. It's still actually getting the updates? Yes. It hasn't like hit the point where it's just like, no, no. we're not. This is still fully supported to the point Jeez. of obsolescence. Because that's what the next update is going to do. It's going to slow it to a crawl. Still trying to get rid of iPhone eights in our network because they don't get updates anymore. In part, I think because if they did, they'd brick. But that would also yes. solve problems. Hmm. Right. Hey, you know, speaking of of picks, uh, some guy is selling on eBay a fully complete 1985 GI Joe aircraft carrier for only thirteen thousand dollars. Oh, thirteen thousand dollars! Oh, so it's yet another year where I don't get it for Christmas. <laughs> Does it come with the box? That's like, uh, no, I don't think it comes now. with the box. Oh, but for thirteen thousand, yeah, I don't even no. get a box. But it's it's got it all. I remember seeing that when I was I was young, and I never and got I the thought, aircraft carrier. Yeah, I had the F fourteen. That was great. Yep. But no. Well, you sh you should have been more persistent. Damn it! Yeah. Why am I not seeing the one that's thirteen thousand? I'm seeing one in a box for six thousand. Oh, I guess it was six thousand. I thought it was more. Well, that's affordable. Almost. That's direct from Wheeljack's lab. It says here. Oh, it's only four hundred and fifty-three dollars and eighty-eight cents shipping. Hundred <laughs> percent. Was that going to drive it to your? But the house? one next to it, the one next to it is seven dollars and twenty cents. So I don't trust it. Like, oh, I put, I wrapped it in a paper bag. Well, I, I I would guess being that it's six thousand dollars and it's probably fragile, even though it says unbroken. That four hundred and fifty three shipping is probably a lot of insurance. Yeah, could be. This is definitely uh, not a new that product. That one's been opened. Oh yeah. Oh, it was it was played. 
It was played with hard. Well, yeah. I mean, you, the USS Flag. Yep. Disturbing. Okay. Brett, you have a pick this week. Do you not? I do. I do. And it's rather simplistic, but it solves a potentially basic problem for a fair number of people. I remember trying to put two monitors on a desk some time ago, and it wasn't a very uh, deep desk. because was uh, relatively narrow. And unfortunately, the edges would not accommodate a clamp-on holder for a set of monitor arms. But I mean, who doesn't want to run two monitors or maybe two widescreen monitors, or even four 40-inch monitors. Who doesn't need to do that? But just pretend for a moment you only wanted to run two. How do you solve the problem if you can't get a set of arms mounted to your desk? Well, here's a relatively inexpensive solution. This is a uh, 20% off, uh, probably for the Christmas season. Uh, So $79, which is, you know, closing in on nice, but not quite. For a dual monitor desk stand solution. This comes in a variety of finishes, including basic uh, black, goes with anything, bamboo, brown. Uh, So make it match your desk, but it is a way to elevate a couple of monitors and give you your shallow desk storage space back. Relatively simple and easy and and visually appealing, so otherwise known as significant other acceptable method to getting a dual monitor solution when you can't get a monitor arm <laughs> clamped to your desk. I, I was so worried. We all know what I'm talking a, about. A chunk of plywood that you just cut up. It does. It does. This looks pretty decent. So, uh, and it has that you know, fifth leg. Bullet. That's important. I thought from the front view you couldn't correct. see it. Like, oh, this thing's on a bow. Correct. But no, it's got a I, fifth leg hiding I, in the back. That is correct. And it's and that fifth leg, I, you'd think like, oh wait, this is a fairly wide forty-two inch, you know, platform. Uh, that fifth leg is strategically placed at the back so you can continue to shove a lot of stuff from the front of your desk underneath this to get it away from yourself you know this is beautiful whatever. i th- i thought the age of yeah. monitor stands was kind of over no no we need here to bring you go back i want to shove my this is it's like yes. the, the amiga i want to shove yes. my keyboard into an area under the desktop which i can't it's do with this because it's not the right garage. keyboard yeah. It's like a desk garage. Um, and this elevates those monitors to a, a, a very nice eye-pleasing height and gives you a ton of space back on your desk to shove look at that this stuff on natural underneath. finish on this wood. This is exquisite. It's this bamboo. Looks like a, looks it's like bamboo, a, a I think. cutting board. Yeah, it's bamboo. And I could use this for so many things. Yeah. Including a synthetic You know, like purpose. standing your monitors on. Yeah. yeah. For instance. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, simple pick for a simple problem. Hmm. Hmm. Hey, speaking of a simple pick, uh, this is not going to be ultra high tech. This is fairly low tech, but I mean, it's it's no secret that I have a very noisy furnace, and I podcast well, I from down here tonight. Well, that's partly because I mute when it comes on, but also partly because it doesn't do these screeching horror sounds anymore. Because I replaced the um, inducer motor assembly myself for very little money by buying parts like this on Amazon. This is actually the part that I ordered from Climatech. And I have a slightly cheaper than the desk uh, riser. Yes. Uh For just, uh, actually I paid 79, but it's down to 76 95. 
This is, there's all sorts of parts like this that are pretty much universal. I was watching some YouTube videos and it turns out that Goodman and Amana and a bunch of others all use the same part. Basically, you just have to pick which side yours uh, vents out of. Mine was on the left. I I was going to ask, did you watch YouTube to know how to swap this out? Well, it seemed pretty self-explanatory. I'm like, it can't be this simple. So I watched a YouTube video of this repair guy. He had a GoPro on when he went on site to do the repair. And he took out his power drill, and he took out five screws. He pulled off the two electrical leads. He pulled off the uh, air hose, and there's a pressure sensor on it. And then he slapped a new one on, screwed it on, plopped the air hose back in, hooked up the power leads, and he was done. It was about two minutes worth of work, and it's about an $800 service charge. Hmm. So for anyone wondering why Sebastian isn't on the podcast next week... uh, (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to be HVAC certified. And, uh, you know, just mm-hmm. uh, that's not a bad uh, life, I guess. Except that You should be making head. service calls after you drop your son off at school. That's yeah. what you should be doing. Yeah, I got a no-heat call here, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I've got a screwdriver and some exactly. and an Amazon account, exactly. so I'll get you fixed up. <laughs> yeah, 800 yeah, bucks for doing this work. It was stupidly mm-hmm. easy to install. I felt like a fool. This is like, it's if you can swap a processor on a motherboard, you can replace parts on your furnace. It's not hard. I don't know. I've seen you swap a processor before. Hey, we can talk hammer. about. Ooh. Actually, I, I saw that video was still on my YouTube account, unlisted from 2014. <laughs> I probably should just delete it. Although I, hey, I recently made the Josh Tech video, as in this morning, I made the Josh Tech video public for the first time in eight Uh-oh. years. Oh wow! So it used huh. to be if you went to joshtech.com, it was just a still image somebody had made. Of uh, Josh being embraced by Heath Ledger. Yeah. Yes. So Broke I just, I, yes, it's from the cover image of the, the Back Mountain DVD. So yep. I animated it in Windows Movie Maker by just putting a bunch of dumb filters and transitions, like a heart transition. And it would like slowly go from Josh's face to Heath Ledger's face and then the two of them together with a heart around it. And I put some tinkling piano music that was like some. I don't even remember where I got it. A YouTuber doing Final Fantasy IV theme of love. So it was like <laughs> really syrupy music and Josh and Heath. And, you know, it's just a touching 30 second video that you just have to watch. A yeah. moment. Mm-hmm. Get me some views. I only have 41 subs on YouTube. And I feel like oh. this is the kind of content that's going to make me a superstar someday. <laughs> Well, if you up your content, I might subscribe at some point. Okay. Hey, I, I can I can do stuff. I've done a microwave versus um, uh, electric water kettle instant coffee comparison video. Mm. Yep. Uh, I remember you talking I, about that. That was and years ago. I feel ago. like I feel like I have there's a there's a comment. I don't know if I penned it or not, but I think somebody kind of called BS on it, and I I kind of had to agree because I think the difference was. When I use my electric kettle, I'm always using either like spring water or like distilled water or something out of a bottle. And when I use the microwave to heat up water, I'm just getting it right out of the tap. So the mineral content in the tap water Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. somehow being like accelerated or something in the microwave. And when I add the instant coffee, it foams up Mm -hmm. almost like an espresso. And if I do it in the electric kettle, it's still, and it's just plain black coffee. It doesn't have the head on it. Uh, how far from uh, Flint is uh, 
Kalamazoo again? Yeah, that's a good question. two and a half hours. Look, they replaced (sighs) the lead pipes in our street a couple years ago. That's why my corner got destroyed, because they had to bring in new copper pipes. Sebastian, YouTube chat is clamoring for the direct link to this fresh video. Oh, the Josh Tech? Hmm. Yes. Okay, well, just, uh, let's see. YouTube.com. Don't worry, I found it. Oh, Lord. Now, what's annoying to me is that I I grabbed the handle 12 <clears throat> high power as soon as I could. Once YouTube started doing handles. So my YouTube account, my personal one, I have the handle 12 volt high power. But if you go to YouTube.com slash 12 volt high power, that's not the URL. I don't know how to find my channel other than to, I guess, just search. Or, you know, I'll have to just link it. I'll tweet it. I'll tweet it out, the Josh Tech video link. But I can't put it there in you YouTube. Go. Uh, live chat because it'll get deleted. Yeah, I think it gets to. Oh well, I just tried yeah, it. Too late. I, I did it. I did it by text. Oh, I posted okay. it. There. Works. It yeah, you can it. you can just put in the the video name like the random letters like XTIG one one seven five Q and if you put that into the YouTube search, you'll find the video. But anyway, I'll I'll link it somehow. It's a legendary video that you just have to see at least once in your life. God, terrible. And you can look at eight-year-old comments about it from the last time it was public. Mm. Which are still on there for some reason, even though it says it was actually published today, which it was not. It was published in, like, 2014. (laughs) I cry every time. (laughs) 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 Oh, Lord. Uh, Why can't I see it? I'm playing it right now on another screen. It's yeah. Oh, it's heart touching. <laughs> your movies, yep. just like Asus. Here we go. Your videos. Just four uh, four point seven thousand views on Josh. You're Jack. welcome. Thirty one seconds. You'll never get back. What? Kent, your pick. My pick. Well, it doesn't matter much anymore because everyone's left to go look at Josh's video. But <laughs> we can wait. I'm here to tell you. You know, there, there's people, like audiophiles like Sebastian, who tell you you no, can't get no. audio <laughs> at a reasonable price. Lies. <laughs> but I'm here to tell you, Sebastian's wrong. <laughs> and for. $40 on Amazon right now. Actually, with a 10% off coupon, you can get these uh, Simgot EW200IMs, and they sound pretty freaking amazing. Um, they're probably the second best sounding pair of headphones I have next to the biodynamic dt 19 hold on and you're saying this about something that costs 39 dollars and 99 cents yes is this your company is this uh, no. do you own this business okay no no um these are uh what is being uh coined as chai fi for certain oh. um uh, they're actually shockingly well made um the the housing is all metal um, they use a detachable uh, 0.78 uh, two-pin cable, um, 
and they just they sound fantastic. Um, how how, how do they handle it, earworms? Uh, about the same <laughs> as anything else. Once it's in, once it's in there, you know, you got to get a screwdriver to get it out. So get it out. Is this the uh, Star Trek uh, Wrath of Khan earworm style, or are we talking about something else? No, we're talking about uh, Weird Al's The Saga Begins earworm style. Mm. Ah, okay. All right, all right. Thank you. Although Thank a screwdriver you. would probably work for the uh, the con worms, too. So, Okay, all right. Is this, uh, this? you know, it looks nice. I guess one of the major differences is uh, this. Uh, I mean, they... they, they they look great. Uh, they they feel high quality. They sound like I say. They sound fantastic. Um, you do need to make certain they they come with a selection of of silicon tips. Um, I didn't actually find any of the tips that came with it fit me very well. Um, then I tried putting them in my Can ears. See, and that's it worked. what she said. <laughs> so um, I actually used the tips off of another set of IMs I had that I knew fit me well and. They fit great and they sound fantastic. And they're thirty six dollars. Buy them. They've got a uh, they they're sixteen ohm uh, impedance and one hundred and twenty nine dB uh, sensitivity. So you can power these off of a phone, anything mm-hmm. with a three point five millimeter jack, which is um, very few things anymore. But yes. With adapters, yeah. you can make a modern phone talk to a 3.5 millimeter headphone jack. Yep. Oh, I see they have an $80 version too. I was. I have heard. I've heard through some reviews that that this $40 version is actually better than the more expensive one. The more expensive one probably looks a little bit fancier, perhaps. I think the more expensive one has these have just a single 10 millimeter dy- dynamic driver. Oh, I think the more okay. expensive one has yeah, um, either a planar driver or maybe a dynamic plus some balanced armatures. Okay. Yeah, we don't need that. Just get the EW200, the EU200. The EU200. <laughs> yeah. 10% off uh, right now on Amazon. Yeah. It's a good deal. But I was, my comment was going to be, I think that the difference between this, which is a product made in China from a name you have not probably heard of in audiophile circles, and a product that costs $2,000 that's also made in China that's from a big name is the presence of the big name. Because, I mean, these factories exist. They're making stuff for the big brands. And, like, well, hey, once they move on, because they have to reinvent their products every couple of years to get people to buy a new the big brand has a marketing budget that they need a lot of care and feeding mm-hmm. to continue. And they want you to pay into that. And that's how it is. Yep. I'm curious as to what the most expensive in-ear monitor is on Amazon. And you're still saying you're not an audiophile. Because I think you're immediately people, going for the most expensive version, but uh, well, I've talked to Alan okay. used to argue that his Shure IEMs were like the best sounding headphone he'd ever heard in his life. And these are four hundred dollars. They look very similar. It's the same kind of concept to the ones that Kent is talking well, about, yeah. but it's a monitor though. That's what Kent picked is IEM. Anytime you're shoving it down into your ear, you know. 
It's a different. Here we go. Here's the Sennheiser IE 900s for 950. Sony has some for 500. Yeah, you get into this world of crazy expensive. Oh, there you go. No, the campfire ones. Where? Campfire for six thousand six hundred and seventy dollars. Oh, that's see, we're not even into the high end here. If I went to a place like Music Direct or something, and there'd be like five thousand dollar headphones easily, because. Three thousand yeah. I mean, in gets air, you in the door in for monitors for five k. Uh, yeah, yeah. <sighs> rarefied. Yeah. Air. I'm sorry, do you not oh, shop goodness. at Music Direct every week? I know you're always over the, at MaxSales.com, <laughs> but let's see. I'm, let's just do a little I, check here. Yeah. Um, no, Brent, they're, they're, they're actually physically motile, so you just put them <laughs> near your ear and they creep in. Let's go. What? Yeah, that's not let's disturbing. Let's just go um, highest price uh, first. I mean, that's oh, what just it's wait all till about. they have intercourse with your eardrums. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. oh, there's only up to $5,000 here? Come on. That's oh, kind of embarrassing. There's, they don't have I thought you said this expensive. was a high-end shop. I thought it was. Okay, I thought Music Direct was better than this, but apparently they stop at $5,000 for headphones. Hmm. We should do an outro. I don't think we actually ended the show. No. No, right, we're well, still going. I want to thank each and every one of you from the bottom of my heart for watching this program, listening to this program and uh, just uh, a moment of silence as we all pay tribute to uh, time magazine's 2023 person of the year, Taylor Swift. Oh God.